The reading of the scriptures from Acts chapter 21, reading verses 27 to 36. So I invite your uh, reverent attention to the public reading of God's word. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. As they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came into to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, one of the great themes of the book of Acts is we are watching men uh, witness uh, to uh, uh, the majesty of the uh, love of God in sending his son to redeem his people. Uh, Paul has been engaging as a witness, uh, principally uh, planting churches. Uh, but there's something that always uh, follows witness, and that is persecution. And we've also seen that in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, the closer he gets uh, to Rome... Uh, the more violent that persecution will be, and it kind of really begins to intensify uh, in our text this morning. We'll also learn uh, from this text that uh, while witness and persecution go together, so does divine deliverance. Because God always has his witness, and uh, they're going to be persecuted, and God's always going to deliver them. And so we must, as a church, understand that we're to be witnesses uh, and we're going to be persecuted for our witness, whatever form it takes. And uh, what will always follow that persecution is divine deliverance, the grace of God delivering his people. And so this morning in verses 27 to 30, uh, we're going to see and watch uh, the Apostle Paul be persecuted for his witness. Certainly, we are reminded uh, that his uh, Savior was persecuted for his witness. In fact, as you know, he went to the cross. Uh, it was, of course, an event of uh, ransom. It was an event of his uh, love to gather his people, but he's also being persecuted in a very violent, very extreme way. 
Paul is going to experience a small measure of that. And I think the church does too. Small measure. Uh, we're not persecuted uh, to engage in ransom. Only the Savior can do that. Uh, but again, it's just a natural corollary to witness because uh, the world hates the gospel. It's going to persecute those who witness for the gospel. Remind you of uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. Uh, Jesus says, uh, in the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Uh, why do we have tribulation in the world? Because uh, the world hates the gospel, it hates our Savior. Uh, and that is really our text this morning. Uh, Paul is uh, preparing for witness to go to Rome. beginning of the path that's going to get him to Rome. He's completing a vow that he's taken. I think he takes a vow because he knows that great persecution awaits him. And I think when you ponder the fact that what you're engaged in might end in your demise, uh, has a way of focusing your mind. And he, he takes a vow perhaps to prepare him uh, for the mission that awaits him. Uh, just an act uh, that, again, in which he can gather himself uh, in preparation for the vagaries that are going to uh, come his way in light of his witness for Christ. So while he's in the temple, uh, Jews from uh, Asia Minor recognize him, uh, and they seize him, and they're going to stir up the crowds. Uh, the verb is literally to pour something together, to commingle something, to create confusion. Uh, so this Jewish company creates great confusion in the temple, uh, specifically to stir up trouble, pointed specifically at the Apostle Paul. And then they, they bring false charges, sedition against Moses, uh, desecrating the temple by bringing uh, a Gentile into the inner sanctum. Of course, it's all a lie, but that's, that's the way sometimes the enemies of the faith uh, work. Uh, it's parallel, I think, in part of the persecution of Stephen in Acts 6. Um, but the lies stir up the mob into a frenzy and a riot, uh, and they seek to kill the Apostle Paul. Uh, they begin to beat him. Uh, by the way, uh, we, we're reminded instinctively that uh, this is exactly what they did to Paul's Savior, the Lord Jesus. Uh, in fact, the same verb to kill is uh, used of uh, their pursuit of Jesus to kill him. Uh, Paul reminds us of this uh, violence in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, read to you a couple of verses beginning in verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. Why does he need the greatness of the power of God? Yeah. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. That's what Paul is going to witness to but it comes at an extreme cost. Uh, 
Our Lord tells us this in uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, reading uh, verses uh, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, church is going to be persecuted. It's part of being a witness to Christ in the world. Broader application is to the church. Specific applications to Grace Bible Church. We witness Satan counterattacks. Uh, in part to intimidate us, so we'll quit witnessing. Or, in the case of many people, just simply to slowly erode their faith. And uh, slow erosion is a grave danger to the Christian faith. Uh, Satan can be very patient, uh, but he's always at work to erode our confidence in our great God and to erode our confidence and witness uh, through intimidation. Paul reminds us of this in 2 Timothy 3.12, and indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who desire to live godly, righteous lives will be persecuted. It just simply goes with the faith. Very interesting, uh, as you know, there's two major words uh, that uh, speak to persecution. Uh, I've mentioned uh, several occasions the word uh, to pursue can also be translated to persecute. I mean, you can see how they go together. Someone's pursuing you. They're pursuing you to do harm. That's what we're going to watch in the life of the Apostle Paul uh, here beginning in this text until he ends up in Rome. Uh, the second uh, verb uh, speaks uh, of oppressing something uh, so that in pressing it, in squeezing it, you oppress it. Uh, it's used great reminder. Our Savior tells us this in uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 14. Uh, For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and few are those who find it. Engages struggle, engages oppression. Um, Of course, all of his elect find it, which is a vast number. Provision of God. Of course, I remind you that in uh, many churches uh, in our own city, and certainly in America, would uh, affirm that, yeah, the church is going to be trouble, but uh, tribulation is really a future event. And I, of course, disagree with that. Uh, in my own understanding, the coming of Christ inaugurates every eschatological event, including the end-time tribulation. Of course, his death upon the cross was a signal event inaugurating the end-time tribulation. And the implication is that when we witness, we encounter opposition, and that identifies us with Christ. Uh, It also identifies us with the people of God throughout the ages. It's the point of Jesus saying they persecuted the prophets and so they're going to persecute you. If they persecuted Paul, they're going to persecute the church. So that's the bad news. It's 
really good news because it identifies us with the Savior. Uh, but the greater news is that what follows persecution always follows persecution's deliverance. We witness we're going to be persecuted, but God is always going to deliver his people. Uh, he never leaves them, if you will, in the lurch. He's going to deliver them. He's going to come for them, rescue them. And we find that here uh, in verses 31 to 36. Because over all persecution, God has the final word. He's always going to rescue his people. If God's providence includes tribulation, it's a reminder that God's providence also includes deliverance. So in the outworking of God's providence, before the mob can kill Paul, I mean, they're literally trying to beat him to death, um, the Roman commander intervenes with his soldiers and rescues him. It's going to set in motion the events that are going to take Paul to Rome. Uh, the commander acts because he thinks that Paul is engaged in some type of sedition against Rome. He's going to learn otherwise, but nonetheless, he acts. Uh, you and I know that God is behind it. God awakens the Roman commander uh, to rush into the temple, and uh, from our text, we know that he rescues the apostle Paul. Uh, when the crowd sees uh, the soldiers, they stop beating Paul. And so the Roman centurion arrests Paul uh, and takes him in chains uh, back to the barracks. And all the while, what is the mob doing? Uh, shouting away with him. The obvious parallel to our Lord. That's exactly uh, uh, what they were saying of our Savior. John chapter 19, verse 15, Therefore they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. So uh, the correspondence between the verbs links you from Paul to Christ. They wanted to kill the Savior, and they want to kill Paul. Uh, but it's really in a more cosmic event, if we can, we can go beyond uh, the historic events, place it in a more cosmic event, it's really uh, Satan trying to prevent uh, the witness of the church. Uh, his desperate attempts to stop that witness uh, that he knows he can't stop, but he tries nonetheless. And uh, in the larger picture, that God will deliver us uh, from the acts of Satan. If you have your New Testament's uh, beautiful cosmic picture of this in uh, Revelation chapter 12. Uh, the first indication that there's going to be trouble in uh, Revelation chapter uh, 12 is um, the birth of, of the Messiah. And so Satan acts to attempt to destroy him. Uh, verses 4 and 5, And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, uh, he might devour the child. Uh, 
Much like Pharaoh tried to kill Moses, the greater Pharaoh is going to try to kill Jesus. Verse 5, and she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. We know the language here is a reduplication of Psalm 2, so we know it's a reference to Messiah. And while they kill Messiah, he's caught up to God in the resurrection, so God delivers him. So there's persecution upon the Savior, and what follows persecution? Deliverance. He's resurrected uh, to rule from heaven. A great, great reminder. Um, but that doesn't stop Satan, does it? Let's look at verse uh, 14. Because the dragon can't get to the Messiah anymore, which he can't because he's ruling from heaven, he's going to turn his attention to the offspring of the Messiah, specifically the church. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. I think it's a reference to the Messianic community. Um, He's going to persecute the Messianic community. It's really what's occurring in the book of Acts. But God delivers. Because what always follows persecution? Divine deliverance. Look at verse 14. And the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. It's an allusion to Deuteronomy 32.11. Moses writes, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. God carried the children of Israel into the wilderness and delivered them to nourish them in the wilderness. Going to be reduplicated in the life of the Messianic community because God's going to protect his children. Interesting that... uh, going to take the woman into the wilderness and nourish her to give her strength, to prepare her for tribulation. And then what does Satan do? He's an implacable foe. He doesn't stop. He's going to continue to try to destroy. Uh, And so the serpent then pours out water like a river to sweep her away. Verse 15. I think the, uh, the reference uh, to the waters is uh, a reference to deception, but there's an obvious parallel to the children of Israel as they're fleeing Egypt. Uh, Satan's going to drive them into the Red Sea to destroy them. And so it's going to be reduplicated again in the Messianic community. It's going to attempt to destroy the church, uh, drive her into a watery grave. And what does God do? God intervenes. Uh, what did he do in Exodus? He intervened. He made uh, a pathway through the sea. Uh, he does the same thing here. Look at verse 16. The earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of its mouth. God delivering uh, his people. Um, so the earth helps the woman. 
Uh, by the way, that too is reduplicated everywhere in the scripture. Uh, for example, Exodus 15, 12, that it stretch out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Uh, Pharaoh's going to try to swallow the children of Israel, but Pharaoh's the one that gets swallowed. A lesson. God, God delivered them, and God's always going to deliver his children. Uh, by the way, that's picked up uh, Numbers chapter 16, the rebellion of Korah. Here's Moses trying to lead the children of Israel. There's a rebellion. Well, there's always a rebellion. How does God respond? Well, number 16 says that the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the rebels and then closed its mouth. Reminding us that God, our God delivers His people. He swallowed Pharaoh. He's going to swallow the deceptions here. Uh, Revelation 12. Protecting His children. Delivering them because of their faithful witness. Provide dry ground, if you will, uh, for them to uh, continue their journey. Um, the imagery is uh, picked up in a very beautiful way in Isaiah chapter 51. Uh, we were studying this text not uh, too long ago. Uh, as you know, the children of Israel are in Babylon because of uh, uh, the sin of idolatry, but God's going to affect a new exodus, uh, lead them back to their land. Uh, that new exodus is described in Isaiah chapter 51, verses 10 and 11. Was it not thou who dried up the sea to the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a pathway for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, and everlasting joy will be on their heads. They will obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. And God led them back out of Babylon, back to Zion. Uh, it's picked up for us in a dramatic way because I think... Um, uh, Luke in the book of Acts is telling us that we're on the last great exodus and God is leading us to our heavenly home. Uh, out of the time of uh, immediate, ultimate danger, protecting, preserving, keeping. There's great oppression all along the way, but that's what comes with witness. What also comes with it? Deliverance. God always delivers His children. Uh, returning back to Revelation 12, when the dragon can't get at the woman, does that stop him? No. Let's, let's, uh, let's read the final verse, Revelation 12, verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's witness. What happens in witness? Satan makes war. Uh, great reminder from this text uh, that uh, the dragon...
can't get at the Savior because he's been resurrected. Uh, protects the Messianic community. So he turns his attention to the church. Uh, and what is the church doing? Keeping the commandments of God and holding to the testimony of Jesus. We continue to witness knowing full well that it enrages the dragon, but knowing full well that what always follows the rage of the dragon is deliverance. A great reduplication everywhere in the scripture. And we're going to follow that theme the rest uh, the chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, it's going to be a dangerous journey for the Apostle Paul. But he's going to get to Rome. And in Rome, he will witness. So all of these passages uh, speak to our safe passage through a dangerous land. But the ultimate reality is, is that God will deliver us. Um, I really can't speak to the issue of intensity, as you know, because... Persecution and oppression break out in different ways in different parts of the earth. I've reminded you time and again, I'd much rather be a Christian in America than a Christian in North Korea. Uh, but nonetheless, the reality is, is that Christ is king, and he will always deliver his sons and daughters who identify with him uh, by witnessing about him, that he is the only hope. Uh, he is the only provision uh, for sin. He is the one-time ransom for all time uh, for deliverance and eternal joy in heaven. Uh, reminded of a beautiful picture of uh, different forms of intensity uh, in the church in China. Um, when Mao Zedong uh, founded uh, the People's Republic of China in 1949, uh, the Christian church was severely persecuted. I mean, the, the missionaries that were there were led off to be killed. And then Mao turned his attention to persecute the church in China. Uh, and the world was shut off uh, for, with, for any information as to what was going on to the church in China. Uh, to use uh, Churchill's metaphor, an iron curtain descended over China and there was no news whatsoever as to what was happening to the church. 1972, uh, some Americans received a, a very unusual message from China. Uh, it was simply this, the, the this I know people are well. It's a strange message, the this I know people are well. Of course, the communists who controlled everything, everything that got out of the nation, saw that message go out, and because they didn't have a clue what it meant, it sounded kind of innocuous to them. They, they simply let the message go out. Think about it. The this I know people are well. It, it comes from Anna Warner's simple hymn, Jesus loves me, this I know. That was the reference. 
The church in China was telling the world that the love of Christ was with them, even in the darkness of being persecuted. And that message applies to you and me today. Because of the love of Christ. We are the this I know people. Always go well with us. Because of the love of Jesus. The hatred of the world is going to come and go. But uh, the love of Christ for his church is eternal. Immutable. Never changing. Always protecting. And we, we can confirm this. Can we not, from the great historical text of the Bible, uh, Daniel chapter 3, a very familiar text, uh, the three faithful witnesses to God are uh, thrown into the fiery furnace. I love what the text reads. Uh, The Greek translation uh, says, but one like an angel of God was with them in the fiery furnace. Theodosian, who also translated Uh, reads the Son of God. The Hebrew Bible reads uh, a son of Elohim, which is, as you know, a Hebrew name for God. By by the way, did you know the word Elohim is in the Hebrew Bible is in the plural form? There's only one God. It's a plural of majesty. Uh, One of the ways that the Hebrews uh, conveyed that God was so majestic uh, they put his name in a plural form. There's only one God. But he is a majestic God. Um, another text, familiar with all of you, Daniel 6, they persecute Daniel. Uh, throw him into the lion's den. God sent his angel that closed the mouth of the lion. Uh, Paul, as you know, uh, uh, alludes to this in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 12. This is a text which we've uh, looked at before, but it's an allusion to Daniel 6. So it's good to remind ourselves. Um, pardon me, chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me in order that through the proclamation might be fully accomplished that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly home. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's going to be persecuted. He knows it's going to come because of his faithful witness. But he knows something else is going to come, and that is deliverance. God's going to deliver him. And he did. Now, one of my favorite texts, the Psalms, Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord and camps around those who fear Him. So whatever your circumstance in life, I, I know for all of us, we're fighting different battles and different stripes and different forms and different uh, degrees of intensity, but uh, you're never alone. The angel of the Lord is encamped about you. Uh, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't despair. Because regardless of your trouble, God will work away that deliverance. Keep witnessing. And when Satan counterattacks, keep witnessing all the more. God will effect deliverance. Um, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So uh, we don't despair. Um, Reality is uh, picked up most beautifully, is it not, in the language of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he gives a long list of things that will try, does he not? Like tribulation and persecution. They cannot separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Ours is a love that shepherds us through them all. All the vagaries of life will be attended to by the love of God. Because we are the this I know people. And we know that Jesus loves us. And we also know that uh, our Savior is uh, the eternal messianic king uh, who is uh, all-powerful and uh, will keep us for all eternity. And uh, we're never forgotten. Uh, We're never a memory in the mind of God. Uh, He knows where we are. Uh, He knows that uh, when we witness uh, that we are engaged with danger. Uh, And he will always affect deliverance. A great reminder from really all of the scripture. Really from beginning to end. God always delivering his people. Uh, And it's true for the church in North Korea, the church in China. But it's also true for the church in America. And more particularly, it's true for Grace Bible Church and for all who attend here. Because it's our desire to bring a faithful witness to a lost world. And when we face the counterattacks of Satan, as we know that we will, we know that deliverance is soon uh, at hand. That God will make a way. Um, I'm not suggesting that the earth will... uh, open its mouth and swallow our enemies. Uh, Did in the past, did in the Old Testament, uh, but God will always make a way. Uh, So as we follow the Apostle Paul, let's remember what he is chiefly about. Uh, Bearing witness to Jesus Christ. And he's going to stand before Roman governors and deliver that witness. Um, All along the way, many parallels to his life and the life of our Savior. What's also a parallel is uh, Paul is going to be delivered. Uh, Tradition has it, as you know, that uh, Paul was beheaded, uh, the Roman sword. Um, You know what? Just like his Savior, he was caught up to God in his throne in resurrection because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's uh, why even when the times turn violent, uh, we can know the certainty of deliverance. So as God's people, let's uh, be of good cheer. Uh, Let's uh, encourage one another to be faithful witnesses. Uh, Let's remind one another of the different ways that God has delivered us in the timeless measure of his infinite wisdom and providence, uh, knowing, as you all know, that uh, greater deliverance uh, is yet to come. Uh, and may God, may God come quickly.
uh, in effect, that final deliverance, uh, gather us into his uh, heavenly city, where Isaiah has told us that all sorrow and sighing will flee away. Oh, what a day. May it come quickly. Uh, may God come quickly to deliver us all.